Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my uh, amazing privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week uh, several, possibly all, of the members of the Kings Bay Plowshares 7 who are about to face trial uh, at risk of possibly 25 years in prison for the protest action they took at a U.S. nuclear submarine base uh, back on April 4th, 2018. Uh, Mark Colville was on this program in December uh, of last year prior to turning himself in. Uh, there is a website, Kings Bay Plowshares 7, that's numeral 7.org. Uh, in addition to Mark Colville, we uh, hope to have on the program this week Martha Hennessy, Liz McAllister, Claire Grady, Patrick O'Neill, and Carmen Trotta, which would be six of the seven of the Kings Bay Plowshares Seven. Uh, welcome to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Who would like to? Who would like to start? For those who haven't heard yet over the past uh, year and a half, what did you all do on April fourth, two thousand eighteen? This is Liz McAllister. Good morning. Good. Um, good morning, Liz. I'm. Not sure I remember exactly what I did on the day. Um, the, and, and I want to underscore that what each of us did might be less important than the fact that we were there and that we were trespassing and that we were bringing a message to that base that uh, needs to be brought to that base repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. They need to hear the no, and they need to hear about the danger of that base, the danger of what's on it, and it is unthinkable when when you start to think about those weapons and what those weapons can do. Um, I think of my grandkids and I weep, and um, I think of all of the children that my grandchildren keep me conscious of and aware of. So... <clears throat> Um, I'm not sure that's a good way to begin this interview, but well, why, well, uh, what base <laughs> is it? What weapons are on it, and what can they do? Well, the nuclear weapon. Um, it's a naval base, and those ships carry uh, enough weapons. What we have heard is that you take the ships that are right there, home base here in Georgia. And if those are used, that's the end of life on Earth, that they have enough firepower to destroy Earth as a place that is inhabitable. That is obscene. That is unthinkable. And yet, people are engaged with protecting it day in and day out. And and these are Trident nuclear submarines, each of which can can launch numerous uh, nuclear That's missiles. Correct. That's uh, correct. Each of which yeah. can do hundreds of times the damage of of what was done to to Hiroshima. That's exactly true. That is exactly true. And we need to keep hammering away at that and hammering away at those weapons. We have no right to them. They should not exist. I'm going to pass this on. And and what uh, you did literally was to to hammer, correct? Uh, that was this is Mark Colville. That was part of the uh, symbolic action that we took 
at King's Base, Naval Base. Um, <clears throat> essentially, what we what we went there to do was to we we went to reach a place that is is sitting right in the middle of our communities here in the United States, and yet it sits there beyond the reach of law and morality, or even the consent of uh, you know of of the uh, people of this country or of the world. This place exists um, and protects these these weapons of omnicide, uh, you know, in total contravention to, to law, morality, uh, justice, uh, and, and again, the consent of the human community. So in many ways, while it, it, it may seem like a, an extreme or radical action that, that was taken by the seven of us, it really is, um, it, to our minds, it became the most human response that we could make to the situation in which we're living. Um, and, you know, we, we, uh, we prepared for quite a while to, uh, to step into that place. Uh, and we formed, you know, we formed a community and educated ourselves about the reality of what's going on there and, and the reality of, uh, you know, first strike nuclear policy, which now has us, as Liz said, uh, you know, right at the brink of, of total destruction. So, um, yeah, we went, uh, in order to do a symbolic action, which, you know, as uh, from a religious perspective, we're all uh, seven Catholics here, and we, we identified it as sacramental and prophetic action. Um, astonishingly, the court, in the, in the pretrial hearings, the judge has actually acknowledged that, uh, you know, that our action was actually uh, symbolic, I mean, sacramental and prophetic. So I don't know what that means for the trial. It seems like uh, there's a gag order being imposed upon us uh, for the upcoming trial, but I suppose we can we can talk about that. But I just wanted to say that that's, uh, to answer your question, that's why we uh, went to that place at that time. Well, I don't know who can best speak to this, but uh, are you, and if you're allowed to speak to this, but will you be making a, a defense that this action was necessary in order to uh, uh, step in and block uh, illegal and, and reckless and dangerous activities? Hi, David, this is Claire. Yes, we will be doing our very best and have been pre-trial and during the trial to tell the truth about the necessity of stopping this illegal, immoral crime and sin against humanity. Um, but we know that for decades now, when we go to court, that the court does its best to keep the truth from the people, um, keep the truth from being spoken in those places. Um, I feel just, to, I want to add a little piece here um, about nonviolent symbolic disarmament of first world first strike weapons, that that is our responsibility. Seven of us are Catholic and do that in a sacramental and prophetic way, but it can be done by anybody, right? And to the extent that those of us with privilege in this system do that, we will stop scapegoating those on the receiving end of those big crimes of killing millions and stealing trillions for which our prisons are filled with people on the receiving end of those crimes. That's a corollary that needs to be said again and again. Very notably, we chose to honor the, doc, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King because we identified the triplets that, because we named the, the triplets that he identifies, we want to give him, um, uh, give him credit for 
identifying the triplets of racism, militarism, and extreme materialism. So the other way they look now is white supremacy, and I would even say white Christian supremacy, um, and militarism, global domination, and global capitalism. Um, but that those weapons are the enforcement mechanism of those triplets. And that is not just a matter of if their weapons are launched, but how they are used every day. That is a deadly force. That is a bloody matter, and that is our responsibility. So if that could be added to the piece there. And you chose and, and, and you chose April 4th uh, because Dr. King had made that speech against the war on Vietnam and, and used that language on April 4th and because he had been killed on the subsequent Indeed. April 4th, correct? Indeed. It was April 4th. 1967, that he identifies those in his Beyond Vietnam speech. Thank you, David. Hey, David, it's Carmen. Y- yes. Uh, Representative, speaking to the action, there are really astounding ironies that we are charged with uh, conspiracy, but ours was not a criminal conspiracy. The criminal conspiracy goes on beyond the fence line at that base. And the conspiracy is actually, they've, they've meticulously created mechanisms that can destroy the entire planet. And this is acceptable. We've been accused of the destruction or the depredation of property when what they are looking at is destroying all property on the planet. You know? And we've been, we've been accused of trespass. And this is a trespass. That base is a trespass on God's creation. And it's a, a military base that's supposedly guarded. You're not supposed to be able to trespass uh, onto it at will, are you? No, it's been kind of remarkable the number of flashes actions that have really been able to gain access to the military base. And they cannot protect us. What? Yes, another indication. Liz says it is another indication that they they cannot actually protect us. What? Right. So are you uh, are are you embarrassing them in in this process uh, and exposing their inability to uh, to safeguard uh, these incredibly dangerous uh, pieces of equipment they've created? Absolutely. I'm not sure that, that was our sort of main intent. We'd like to think of it as, as, as opening that place up to uh, the wider public and trying to begin to understand what it is meant to be um, and to get the public to turn against that and uh, to resort to their own true selves. Have, have you all found, uh, since taking this action uh, many months ago now, that you've been able to reach uh, broader audiences with uh, information about nuclear weapons and first-strike policy and the risk uh, that, that we're all going to be destroyed? Uh, have, you, have you found anyone inspired to take more action themselves? Thank you. This is Martha. Um... I think that our act gave great hope to many, many, many people. I think the question of uh, getting the word out, it's a difficult question just because of the uh, condition that we find ourselves in with our own media. And I believe that there is much more coverage internationally than there is um, with our domestic mainstream media. But this... This effort continues. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask about that. Have you all been uh, doing interviews with media outlets around the world about this? Um, a bit. As many as come up, we try to step up to it. Um, 
But I would say that, you know, it, there's is not enough visibility of the deadliness of these weapons. But again, I was able to be at the UN a couple of weeks ago, and the nations are working really hard on this issue. And meanwhile, our media chatters on, you know, about how Trump, his strength is seen in our nuclear arsenal. But I, I do feel that there are many, many um, communities that are inspired by this kind of effort, and the ripple effect is there. And I even believe that the courtroom that is so designed to stifle any voice, everyone's <laughs> conscience is with them, knowing that there's something very wrong with this picture. So that I feel that. Well, I certainly know that peace activists uh, around this country and out in Seattle, around uh, another nuclear submarine uh, base out there, are, are very well aware of, of what you all are doing uh, and, and what you've done, and, and that peace activists in Ireland, where I was recently, are very much aware uh, and inspired by what you've done. So uh, I, I think there are people out there hearing about it. Uh, on the other hand, there was a presidential uh, candidate's debate uh, this past week where I don't think the existence of, of nuclear weapons or nuclear energy uh, was mentioned whatsoever. Uh, of course, that's the, the choice of CNN and the New York Times who, who ran that debate. Yeah, I think, um, Dave, this is Patrick O'Neill, and I, I think you're touching on an important point. You know, it's been 73 years since the incineration of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And during those 73 years, <clears throat> including um, Dwight Eisenhower's farewell speech when he warned us about the military-industrial complex, and the military-industrial complex has no vested interest in peace, and they've been doing their homework. They've figured out a way to make nuclear weapons essentially inconsequential to people, we don't, the military industrial complex doesn't want people to think about Trident in a negative way. They don't want people to think about weapons and war and weapons of mass destruction, especially, in a, bring them in a negative light. So, what we have now are a lot of Americans, and I'm sure this is true in all of the nine nuclear nations, who are being told by their governments, don't worry, we've got this under control. And that's exactly how people feel. So, we go to Southeast Georgia to protest the most diabolical weapon, the Trident II D-5 missile, the most diabolical weapon ever imagined, ever constructed, ever created, and it was almost inconsequential to the people there that they live, literally live, right there in the belly of the beast, that their entire economy, their entire livelihood was predicated on the end of the world. And that's what it is. We're trying to tell people, don't be comfortable at this time when every major city in the world is 15 minutes away from total destruction, we have to wake people up. And we chose to go there to Southeast Georgia because there'd been very little resistance there. The Tridents had just been accepted as an economic asset in the community and not critically looked at for what they are, weapons of mass destruction that threaten the human experiment. And it's, it's absolutely tragic that we've gotten to this place of, of not recognizing the madness that we've attained as a as a human family, and this is a global problem. It's not only a U.S. problem, although we've led this we've begun and led this problem and perpetuated. And Donald Trump now has a protocol where he says we can use nuclear weapons to respond to a conventional attack. So we're not even talking about using nuclear weapons, you know, 
I mean, if you could, you can't apply the word defensive to nuclear weapons, but can you imagine saying that we'll be the first to use nuclear weapons to respond to a conventional attack? This thing is being ratcheted up faster than we can imagine. So it's time to act, and it's time for people to say no, and it's time for the presidential candidates to step up to the plate and say this insanity needs to be front and center. We've got to stop it. The reason those presidential candidates didn't bring up nuclear weapons it's not because of the news media. It's because they vote for the nuclear weapons. Trump's military budget last year, $800 billion, passed the United States Senate, 93 to 7. Those presidential candidates believe in killing. That's why they're running for the office. You can't be a presidential candidate unless you believe in killing and believe in nuclear weapons. They, they also declare Turkey to now be an enemy, Turkey being a location of numerous U.S. nuclear weapons. Uh, there seems to be an, an extreme here of the problem of, of arming the entire world and then declaring portions of it to be enemies. Uh, identifying the locations of these things, uh, as you're doing in Georgia, seems to be, uh, seems to be critical at this point. Part of, uh, Liz back again, part of what is critical, but it's a small part, not insignificant, but every aspect of these weapons, every aspect of our military needs to be addressed. We need to get our heads out of the sand and begin to address what is going on in our name in this country. And um, I, I guess that's part of the message that we want to put forward. Thank you. David, I wanted to quickly add, because uh, I think it's important, the pervasive ignorance about the uh, nuclear weapons. Um, in, so, Greta Magazine, as the nation, the Nation Magazine, within the last year, put out a series of questions regarding nuclear weapons uh, for presidential candidates. They had 10 questions that they asked. None of those questions suggested nuclear abolition, not one. And yet, um, really quite apparent, uh, that the general population of the globe um, looks forward to the uh, Treaty for the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, which has come up at a time when the United States has really basically pulled out of the Non-Proliferation Treaty. We've been abusing the treaty for years, and at this point we've basically pulled out without formally doing so. Yes, indeed. Uh, and this and the movement, uh, the ICANN effort, the campaign to abolish nuclear weapons, uh, picked up the Nobel Peace Prize two years back. Uh, and this year's winner is the prime minister of a country that's not signed on to it. Uh, and of course, the United States and none of the nuclear countries have signed on to it. And as you say, we don't hear about it. And we're very happy to say that one of the first people to sign up uh, for it was the Bishop of Rome. Was Pope Francis? He 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 has been uh, quite a step above the his predecessor, uh, indeed, um, and and above most presidents and prime ministers. Um, but can I can I ask for people who who haven't heard about the tradition of of plowshares activism because this was not the the first step, and there have been many many of these plowshares actions, and in many cases the results have been remarkable, both in terms of, of public uh, education and, 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 and mobilization, and also uh, in terms of, of winning uh, acquittals uh, in court. Um, what, uh, what can you tell people about this, this tradition that you're acting in? Well, the plowshares, this is Patrick, the plowshares tradition was really 
preceded by the draft board raids during the Vietnam War. Um, it was basically taking symbolic action and, and using it as a tool for teaching people, for exposing things. I like to say that our action at Kings Bay and that really these actions in general are a kind of high drama. We try to bring drama to a situation that people are kind of sleeping, they're asleep at it. And so we bring this drama to sort of say, okay, we're, we're doing this action because we want to wake people up. And we want people to be a little bit astounded by it because we hope that this is going to make them think about something they don't think about. The military-industrial complex crafts a response to this, and the response is that in order for, in order for uh, nuclear weapons to thrive, we have to have tension in the world. We have to create tension, and uh, that's what we have. And the Plowshare actions are a response to that tension that we say that we want to we want to take these weapons out of the picture and create a possibility of us living in a world free of the threat of total destruction. Sorry, this is Mark, uh, and I just just wanted to throw in the you know the seven of us. Um, we all come from what I would identify as the grassroots of of this country. You know, we're all working in. You know, uh, at the base with, uh, you know, with low-income people in in, uh, in very stressed neighborhoods, you know. Um, I myself uh, came around to the idea of plowshares um, really, through, I, would, I would say, through the work that I do daily in the Catholic Worker Movement, you know, helping to run a house of hospitality um, and, you know, walking around my neighborhood and seeing the utter devastation that militarism has done uh, to my own neighborhood. So to me, it was just uh, it was a logical step from from the common table that we have at the Amistad Catholic Worker in New Haven, uh, Connecticut, uh, to Kings Bay to you know to to take a stand. And and it's it, it's easy and seductive for us to fall into the idea that that success equals um, you know attention or media attention or you know. Who got moved by what we did, or whatever? Um, and uh, certainly, when you when you walk with uh, people at the grassroots for all of the years combined that that this group has walked with them, you come to see uh, see success in a different light. You know, our you know, in many ways, all we were trying to do was to raise a voice uh, from those grassroots. You know, uh, you know, of the voice that is is always trampled upon, always muted and silenced, especially in things like presidential debate. But um, as has been said, you know, the, uh, the, the ICANN Treaty for the Abolishment of Nuclear Weapons is one example of how the human uh, community is crying out uh, for change, for fundamental change. Um, and it, it, the, the war machine has perfected, uh, you know, this, these mechanisms uh, to silence that and to make it seem irrelevant. So um, it's important to understand that. So for this is, this is Liz back again, and I'm sitting here with the six of us, but I'm sitting here thinking of, of uh, our brother who's in jail, the uh, Steve Kelly. And he's a Jesuit priest, and he has been in that jail since the day of the action. And... Um, we will be joining him in court, but um, I wish that 
somehow his voice were part of this uh, discussion we are having here because the rest of us are all here. But um, Steve's witness is very, very powerful and very moving for each and all of us. And I, I want him to be with us in this in this meeting. And, Thank you. And, and, and why can he not be? Because he's in jail. Yes, no, I understand. But why is he, he in, jail in jail and six of you are not in jail? He was not offered bail. He chose to remain in jail, but he also had a, a, a pretty inconsequential outstanding warrant that just got conflated into something bigger than I think that it is. And, and he chooses not to, he wasn't offered bail and he chooses to remain there. And and for those who find out about what you've done and what you're doing and, and appreciate it and, and are grateful, uh, what can people do to help, uh, what do you what do you hope people listening to this program will will go out and do about it? Um, we appreciate prayers. We appreciate donations. Um, there is a website www.kingsbayplowshare7.org where you can get more information. We also appreciate people beginning to act out of their own conscience in relationship to these weapons, also to speak about them. You know, they exist without most of us referring to their existence. And I I think that enables them to just grow and multiply. And they should not be growing. They should not be multiplying. We should be saying, no, 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 enough, too much already. And also, this is Mark, um, the... uh this ICANN Treaty for the Abolishment of Nuclear Weapons is something that can be used as a local organizing tool. Um, people should educate themselves about it, bring it to their first to their local uh, officials, and um, and get support for this thing. It's, again, this is uh, this is an international treaty that uh, how many nations have signed already? Seventy nine signatories. Seventy nine uh, signatories on the treaty right now. Um, and it's, it's a worldwide movement that you don't hear too much about, certainly in the mainstream media in the United States, for obvious reasons. But, if, you know, that's a concrete thing that people can do, is educate themselves about the, this treaty and, um, and try to pressure uh, their elected officials to get on board with it. Thanks, Mark. Yes, educate and organize this global movement to abolish nuclear weapons. I would also add... Um, open our eyes and help each other with that, to see the connectedness so that we are um, doing our best to be on that grassroots level, to see the effects of these weapons so that we're not just putting it out as a, a separate issue of nuclear weapons, how nuclear weapons are connected from to, as, as they are what I call the, the biggest bully stick, the capstone of violence, down to the police gun on the street. That's chain of violence, the state-sponsored violence that's being enforced in our name, to see exactly how it's being used to exact resources and lives worldwide in our name. So start seeing that and listening to the voices of those on the receiving end of that violence. That would be a valuable work. 
Very, very well said and very well done, uh, and quite a privilege to speak with uh, the six of you. We've been speaking with Elizabeth McAllister, Martha Hennessy, Mark Colville, Claire Grady, Patrick O'Neill, and Carmen Troda, who are six of the Kings Bay Plowshares 7. The website is kingsbayplowshares7.org. Thank you to all of you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you. Thank you, and keep up your good work. Yes. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, Please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.